This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 75 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I am your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my good friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. It would not sound nearly as good without her. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. Or if you live up here in Orange County, check out any of her family's three restaurants. Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach, Dublin Four Gastro Pub, and Wine Works for Everyone. Both of those are side-by-side over in Mission Viejo. All three are fantastic. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it. It helps other folks discover it as well. I know that Spotify just added the ability to do ratings, so make sure that you are given support if you don't mind and if you are enjoying it. And if not, go ahead and leave feedback. I'm okay with constructive criticism, too. Go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And do not forget that you can get early ad-free access to all of the shows by going to patreon.com forward slash thebestseats, as well as exclusive access to the little post shows that I just launched in 2022 only on Patreon with a lot more stuff to come. Um, really quick before we get into episode 75, um, one of my goals for 2022 was to not miss a week getting out episodes. Now, unfortunately... That immediately got broken um, due to a lot of the guests that I had scheduled having to uh, quarantine and, and treat themselves because a lot of people did get COVID in varying degrees over the holidays, New Year's Eve, uh, kind of inevitable. So that was kind of a, a little bit of a kick in the pants. Um, and then unfortunately, I did have um, a personal loss. Uh, one of my dogs did pass away rather unexpectedly. And for those of you that did see the post on Patreon, um, obviously I needed to take a little bit of time away from working with that to kind of process. That's something I'm still processing and still dealing with every single day. Um, so I apologize for the delay in content with that, but I think everybody can kind of understand. And I do want to give a very heartfelt thanks to everyone that has reached out, has continued to reach out um, to express kind of their you know sympathy, people that sent kind of care packages to to feel better and, and, and drop stuff off for those of you that know where I live. Um, and just all the support, whether it was Patreon, Instagram, texts, emails, uh, really from the bottom of my heart. Um, I just want to thank everybody for that. And as hard as it is to deal with something like this, and it's it's something I will forever be dealing with, uh, the reality is that the show must go on quite literally in this case with episode 75. And I'm very happy with episode 75. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff in Orange County, and I always say the rest of Southern California and beyond with every intro. This is one of those people that I've been waiting to sit back down with. Um, I'm a big fan of well, all the regions around Orange County, but San Diego especially has a really, I think just the way that it's kind of laid out geographically, there's a lot of nooks and crannies to explore. It's a very long, very big county, tons of different cities, tons of different kind of regionalities, tons of different types of cuisine. And one place that has really been changing recently is Oceanside. Now I've been down in Oceanside before um, with the fantastic team from Dijamara, a really, really good restaurant. And my guest today is Tony Juarez, the head barman over at Carte Blanche. 
Tony's somebody that, um, God love him. I'm, I'm so grateful for the support, just like I am all of you, whether it's social media, Patreon, or even just kind of clicking through and listening to these episodes on free feeds. Tony reached out, um, expressed his you know love for the show. I ended up meeting him in person at a bartender's competition uh, sometime in the middle of last year. I don't remember when that one was, um, but I, I'm really fascinated with what he does. Oceanside is a place that I think is evolving a lot, as most places are, but especially the past couple of years, there's a lot of talent moving in there, but it's also a place that's wildly proud and it does have a really big history you know with the marine base you know pendleton obviously kind of being right there it's got a very very deep and rich history um even outside of hospitality just in the context of you know this nation so especially given the pacific theater in world war ii um, but everybody that's gone through there you know great surf town i mean it's a place that has a lot to it so as things start to evolve i wanted to learn from somebody who has kind of seen that firsthand you know, and even he's not from the area. So he's really kind of gotten that outsiders and insiders look all at the same time. Tony's very, very talented. I'm so grateful for him taking the time. Uh, we recorded this not in between services. They were kind of on a slow lunch service, like middle of the week. So there is some background noise, again, natural stuff from the restaurant. Any of you that have listened to the show before, you know what to expect, but I don't want to take up any more time. I want to hear about his journey, his passion, what drives him each and every day. And I want you to hear it too. On episode 75 of the Best Seats Podcast, feels good to be back. My friend and guest, Tony Juarez. Enjoy. Beautiful day down at Oceanside. I am extremely happy to be back in Oceanside. Last episode that I did down here was with the awesome team over at Dijamara, but we are here at Carte Blanche. Tony, you and I have been trying to get this episode on the books for what it feels like forever. We're finally through the holidays. We are into January now, and we finally had some free time kind of in between services here at the restaurant. So first and foremost, for anybody listening, uh, do not copyright strike me. The music is not mine. That is the music from the restaurant. But if you hear any pots and pans, obviously, you know the drill. We have recorded at episodes or recorded episodes at restaurants before. So ignore the banging and the service stuff in the background. But Tony, let's jump into it. Would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background and, and kind of how you came to be where you are here today? Yeah, of course. I uh, appreciate you having me. It does feel like it's been forever since we've tried to be coordinating it, but uh, I, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that you're here. And I think last time I saw you was at, was at Port and Swing at that, that comp. Yep. In yeah, it would have been the uh, tequila versus mezcal comp- uh, cocktail um, competition. Not, not to, it was great. I was I did appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm a little salty about it, though, because the, the rule set got changed on me last minute, and I was <laughs> told that you weren't allowed to bring your own ingredients. So I show, I show up uh, with just my tools, and I see, you know... Um, you know, shout out Pedro DeBeed from Pomona, but you know, he know, he has this fucking corn sous vide syrup. I see, you know, uh, Ori from Rodeo Bar with a with a ISI whipper, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on, man? This is this. <laughs> I, I, sh- I brought I showed up to a, a gunfight with a knife, so I was a little salty about it. I got eliminated first. I feel like I would have did better, but I'm, I'm a competitive guy by heart, so it's 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 all love. It's all love. But I think yeah, that was the last time I saw you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm you know, I, I run the bar here. My uh, my, I'm the, the lead bartender and, and bar manager here at Carte Blanche in Oceanside, and we are a, a French-Mexican concept, which sounds super strange to some people, but like if you look at historically or even just uh, ge- geogra- geography or geographically, I don't geographically, know. It, yeah, we'll geographically, yeah. you know, geographically-wise, like, it does make sense. So, you know, we have plantains and octopus, and we do beignets, and... Uh, um, we have duck mole tacos, you know, so I mean, that, which are some of my favorite. I was going to say, nothing you said so far <laughs> sounds bad. So I'm waiting for the, the mic drop, but it all sounds pretty damn good. I think what it is is that it could sound, uh, the, the food items can sound a little bit um, strange on paper for someone who's, you know, 
maybe just used to like the regular burger joint or when they think of French, they think of, you know, something with a fucking croissant or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe I'm being stupid. Maybe that's just what I'm thinking, but I got lucky man in the sense that, um, uh, I, I actually transitioned to this role. So I got hired here originally as a bartender, um, through my friend, Seth Marquez, who used to be the old bar manager here, you know, shout out to Seth. Um, and then he ended up leaving and doing other things. And I was fortunate enough to transition into the role and kind of, um, take what he gave me and um, kind of make it my own. You know what I mean? So as far as my uh, my cocktail program, uh, I do pretty much all the cocktails here. I do help with some of the wine, but I, uh, you know, the spirit side is really kind of my niche. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love, like if you give me a glass of beautiful natural orange wine, I'll drink it. And if you give me some fucking fruit punch wine from Trader Joe's, I'll, I'll top it with some LaCroix and call it a day. So <laughs> I'm definitely not the most credible with wine. We have a... Um, uh, GM who's actually has a very good palate for wine and uh, actually owned his wine uh, wine shop at one time. So um, he kind of handles all the wine and he tells he tells me what to order and I just you know I, I trust him on that. But as far as the cocktails, I do all the the spirits and the cocktails and um, picking the beers and all that. So my my beverage uh, program and cocktail program is I got really fortunate. Um, I am I do I am Mexican. I come from you know I have Hispanic descent. My grandpa was born in uh, Cuila, Mexico, which is kind of north. Eastern Mexico almost borders Texas. You know, he came over here in the um, the 40s. Um, but I bring that up because I, I've been in the bar bar game for a while now and making cocktails. And I love making cocktails with bourbon or gin or scotch or whatever you have. I mean, I know everyone shits on vodka. I don't really enjoy making vodka cocktails. But if so, if that's going to make someone's day, I'll make a, a vodka cocktail. But I got fortunate here with the sense that because of the theme we already had, it just everything fell into place. You know what I mean? My my real niche is, um, you know, distillados from, from Mexico, you know, Latin spirits too. Um, and because that's what we do, I get to really, you know, 95% of my cocktail program consists of that. You know, we have Sotol, which we'll kind of talk about, which is another uh, spirit out of Mexico that, believe it or not, a lot of people compare it to an agave spirit and it gets grouped in the agave spirits category. But even not, though it has nothing to do with it actually comes actual, from, yeah. it's, it's from a species of yucca plant called a Wileri. And you can actually find these plants uh, all throughout different parts of Mexico and even parts of. You find them in the U.S. too, right? I yep. want to say like Arizona, places like Southeastern that. Southeastern Arizona, yeah. New Mexico, West Texas. And that all makes sense uh, geographically. That all used to be Mexico. You know what I mean? So, we, you know, we have a Sotol cocktail here. I do um, Mexican corn whiskey. You know, uh, we use Abasolo. You know, shout out Cesar Sandoval from Abasolo. Um, I'm trying to get some Bacanora in. Obviously, we do mezcals and, and tequilas and stuff like that. I would like to get a tequilaño in at some point, which is um, kind of cool. I'm still learning about it, but it's basically a uh, Blue Weber agave. It doesn't have to also come from, I believe, the, um, it doesn't have to come from Jalisco or, or the Dio, you know, um, yeah, yeah. territories of tequila. I mean, you can have a tequilaño from you know, like a Chihuahua or something like that. And it's a, basically a Blue Weber agave um, plant and they um, distill it in the exact same way they would, you know, with a, a Ensemble Mezcal or something like that. You know, it comes out real smoky and, and yeah. nice and stuff like that. But basically we do a lot of Latin spirits here, you know, such as tequila and mezcal, Mexican corn whiskey, uh, sugarcane from Mexico. We uh, I have a charanda here, which is really nice. Um, it's a style, it's a Dio style of rum from Mexico. Um, I just brought a Mexican pale ale on. So we're doing some really cool things. I try to um, promote as much of my culture as possible through my through my cocktails. I'm a big cocktail guy. Um, I love drinking spirits by themselves, but I'm not really personally a believer of, you know, this is a sipping spirit and this is a, a spirit you put in cocktails. I think if something's versatile and, um, you know, ethically made, then you can have it either way. That's just kind of my opinion. So we, we, we kind of jumped right into the inspiration behind, obviously you said that this is, I'm not gonna use the word fusion because fuck that but yeah it's, it's a mix you have a lot of different themes going on in the restaurant you have a lot of different styles you kind of mentioned some of the menu items things like that where do you kind of incorporate some of the french aspects into because we talked a ton about mexican spirits and rightfully so because that's yeah. something that i want to touch again on in a little bit but how do you 
how do you dance the balance between that? Because a lot of times when you have a restaurant, it's kind of just that one theme, right? It's just yeah. kind of pushing one direction. How do you balance out the two kind of to your approach here? Well, to be fair, I mean, I don't want to speak too much for the kitchen, but they do a great job of balancing that out in the kitchen with ingredients. Um, you know, a lot of our, um, like for example, our hot pot on our dinner menu is this kind of a really nice uh, kind of play on a pozole, but they use a lot of French cooking techniques, almost like a, um, I mean, God, we're on the podcast now and I'm forgetting the name, but there's a soup style dish, like a very popular soup style dish from France. It's almost uh, same popularity level as a pozole. Um, but they use that cooking technique for this pozole variation kind of. Um, so they, the kitchen does a great job at incorporating the French and Mexican aspects. I'm not going to lie. I haven't too, I have, since I have taken over the program last year, um, I haven't incorporated too many um, French ingredients. That's something that I actually really want to do. Um, but I'm also a believer in kind of sticking to my guns. And um, we kind of got lucky here, in, in just in so, so not just Oceanside, but Southern California in general. I mean, everyone is so into agave, which is great. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't have too many people coming here looking for like a really crazy cognac cocktail or something like that, which I actually would like to do uh, a cognac cocktail at some point. But truth being told, with my cocktail program, a lot of it is Latin, and not just you know spirits from Mexico, but you know we have um, really nice Belizean rum here and got rum from Panama. I'm working on getting um, a Mexican gin in here. Um, just doing really kind of cool things that um, not too many other places are doing. And I feel like I have the opportunity for that because of our theme. You know, if I, for example, if I was at a, at a uh, seven grand, you know, it was a whiskey bar. Like, yeah, I might be able to get a, if I'm working there, I might be able to order a bottle of Abasolo, you know, corn whiskey, but I can't do Charanda and Sotol and Bacanora and all these other things. So I, I really have just capitalized on, um, taking advantage of the Latin side of things and just running with it, man. I, I really can't explain how passionate I am about what I do. And I don't necessarily mean that might sound like it's, oh, you're passionate about bartending. I mean, I love what I do. I'm always grateful for what I do, but I'm, I'm more passionate about um, certain spirits education and what you can do with different spirits from Mexico. Like I said, I love bourbon. Yeah. I love rye. I do have a rye cocktail on the menu um, just to kind of create a little, some familiar, familiarity for some people. But um, I like, basically showing people what you can do with different Latin spirits. And, and also my, a bigger goal than that, I say this all the time and I don't want to be a broken record, but my main goal while I'm running the bar here um, is I want to, to let people, I want people to realize that Mexico does so many other spirits and great things besides agave spirits. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people on your podcast have touched about this, but and as much as I love tequila, I'm a little bit jaded on the topic of it. Um, some of my favorite agave spirits are not even tequilas or mezcals. They're destilados just because they're out of the, yeah. out of the territory. They fall out of kind of that, that like that denomination <laughs> and that labeling. And exactly. Well, you even mentioned Mexican gin. I mean, it, it, you know, shout out to Gin Cartoon. That's one of my favorite spirits that I yeah. discovered in, I think it was 2020 or 2021 when I first tried that one. Um, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's delicious. And you, people look at you and they go, ooh, Mexican gin. And, and I want to dive into kind of your background and how you got started into bartending and things like that. But I do have to ask right off the bat because we jumped into it right off the bat. We did. Yeah. To be as someone of Mexican heritage, like you said, with your grandfather, what does it mean to you to be running a bar and a cocktail program where you're able to, because you're right, a lot of people love agave spirits, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. And that's a topic that has been debated and talked about over and over and over, especially on a lot of hospitality podcasts. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be able to educate on these different products and, and have guests come in and say, hey, I know you normally like this, but why don't you try this? And then it's this entire other world opening up to portfolio spirits that they didn't even know existed, or at least not in a different kind of shed a different light on it. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Uh, I mean, it means the world to me without without exaggeration. I mean, this might sound kind of like, man, you're a little bit crazy. You're like, are you all right? But like, I love what I do. I put so much energy into what I do that I would, um, I would literally die for what I do. And I know that no one is going to 
try to tell me I have to die or try to kill me. But in the instance of a, uh, I love what I do so much that it's it's not it doesn't even really feel like a job to me. And I, again, I don't necessarily mean the tending bar aspect. Like I love creating cocktail programs and streamlining cocktails, and um, I just love what food and beverage does to people. I mean, people over sad times they gather, you know, around food and drink. Over happy times, and um, it means the world to me, man. When I got uh, a crowd full on a Friday night, and I see, you know, cocktails going out with you know Mexican whiskey and charanda and really good tequilas and mezcals and people are enjoying themselves and having good food. And it's like, man, that means the world to me. Like the, I don't have people. I have someone who came in who, you know, asked me for Casamigos and now they're fucking drinking Sharanda at the table. And it's like, that's awesome to so me. You know, that's that you're just doing the Lord's work. So yeah, in, 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 <laughs> in, in, in a way. And it's like, you know, what's I've, I've taken, I mean, if I've matured, you know, in a good way, I would, I would like to think so. But like, you know, three years ago, if someone would have ordered Casamigos, I just would have been so upset about it. And just so like, just, trigger you know and now i, I kind of take that as an opportunity man it's an opportunity for me and it's like i'm, I'm you know like as, as we were talking about before the podcast but i i feel like my you know my life i'm, I'm fortunate i can't speak for everyone but my, my life happens for me and not to me and i mean i, I couldn't be more blessed and in, in a better spot and it's not that i don't want to grow or evolve but like everything that i'm doing right now i wanted at one point three or four years ago and um obviously i understand the grass is not always greener but it means the world to me man and i uh, i love creating cocktails and, and not just creating cocktails that taste good but like putting ideas from paper uh from your head to paper and then from paper like making cocktails that you can streamline i mean not to branch off too much you know like down the, the rabbit hole but like i think a big problem something i'm really passionate about specifically besides just latin spirits is streamlining bar programs and what i mean by that is you have you you've probably relate you but you maybe you've been to a place and like you got a menu cocktail and this time it tastes better or this time it doesn't taste as good as the first time and it's like that's a, that's an issue on whoever consulted or whoever bar manages because it's like you can't blame your i don't feel like you can blame your bartenders for that it's like you have to streamline and like i take so much pride in like making cocktails so like i don't ever worry like i i can proudly say like when i'm not here i don't ever worry about my menu cocktails not coming out right because of how they're streamlined and all the man hours and the the work that goes into streamlining these cocktails behind the scenes like let me give you an example like um some people might get triggered about this but like i don't i use salt in my cocktails i don't believe in pinches of salt though and the reason is is that i think if you're at home sure you're cooking you know you're making drinks for you and your friends or your wife that works but as silly as it sounds and someone's gonna be like wow you're ridiculous but everyone has different finger sizes you know what i mean and it's like what if that one pinch is what if your pinch is bigger than mine or vice versa and it's like so simple solution to that and obviously i didn't create saline solution um but it's like yeah using say two drops of saline solution is two drops whether i pour it or whether you pour it uh, i have a couple drinks with cucumber on the menu um you know so we're not is i we don't do any muddling here it's not that i think muddling i'm not saying i don't muddle because it's like oh it takes too much time for you like you're lazy it's like no 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 i want each drink coming out the exact same every time so solution to that is cold press cucumber juice here cold press it so three quarter ounces of that you know obviously it's blended with a certain ratio of sugar and it's not even necessarily a syrup because all there's no, i'm not adding any additional water all the water content is coming from the cucumber juice so i'm controlling dilution better i mean i get geek kind of geeky with it and i know i'm not the only person in socal who's no doing I, that. I i love that the entire concept of that one pinch of salt is different. So just use saline solution and obviously everybody's going to model differently. I freaking love that. I mean, whatever you can do to add systems in place it to just, prevent your bartenders from failing so that every drink is consistently it makes delivering. A yeah. And it makes a difference too. Because I, and I know some bartenders actually, I've actually had some uh, conversations with some good, good professional bar friends of mine and some of them disagree, but it's all kind of fun, you know, laughs at the end of the day. I mean, there is no, in my, even though I'm saying for, for me, this is the right way. This is what I believe because it's like, I, a lot of my refreshing drinks, I don't want to give too many of my secrets away, but um, they're no more than three touches. 
most of them are actually two touches. And I know that might, for a professional bartender, that'd be like, that's not fun. Like I'm used to picking up five or six different things. Well, it's like, well, you know what? When service is, is live, I want all the drinks coming out. And when you're mentioning touches for people that are not bar professionals, oh, can yeah. you elaborate what you mean by it? Yeah, basically. So like if I have a cocktail with, you know, six or seven ingredients, I'm not picking up six or seven different things. I'm, I'm consolidating those six or seven ingredients into, you know, uh, basically as many of the, uh, as you know, the sugar content, the spirit or the Amaro and liqueur essentially is in one bottle as much as possible. And then, you know, the citrus separate, or even if it's a stirred and direct cocktail, you know, um, having everything just streamlined basically where it's like, it's, it's limit. You're grabbing as little as things as possible. And some people might say, Oh, well, that's not craft or that's not authentic. And it's like, well, I think it is because I, it's, it's like chasing a moving target. It's like, I want, you know, on a busy service night, like I don't want the bartenders or myself to be grabbing eight different things and it's not even a cheat code it's just about like just growing as a bar professional and like just learning how to streamline better and it's not even just i actually learned again shout out seth marquez he used to be the old bar manager here but i i would have liked to have thought that i was pretty good at batching and streamlining beforehand and that guy was just a beast on a, on a whole different level and uh really showed you know t- basically showed me you know took my streamlining from what i thought was you know uh a level streamlining to which was really about a c and he just taught me how to like consolidate as much as possible but the beautiful thing about consolidating and when you do it properly and in a scientific way is that the drinks actually come out better they're they're they taste better they're more consistent all the wash lines are the same and i can probably say like on a friday night service i mean i'm always here on a friday night service but if for some reason i wasn't here i don't ever worry about my menu cocktails coming out different it's i feel like it's harder to mess up my menu cocktails during service than it is um to forget you know to not mess them up i mean and if someone has a different very if a bartender has a different variation on a mojito or a cosmopolitan like that doesn't really bother me i actually think it's actually kind of cool if you know if um let's say you order you know a, a mojito from someone and um it's a, as long as it tastes similar to me, I'm okay. that's kind of all I want here. But if it looks a little bit different, I think that's cool. It kind of shows each bartender has a little bit of a different touch. So I feel like I went down the rabbit hole right now. But I'm very passionate about Latin spirits and what I do. But more importantly, I'm passionate about creating because I feel like anybody can create good cocktails if you give them enough ingredients or if you just give them enough time to think about it. But can you make that good cocktail from the if you have an idea and it comes out good? from that first cocktail, can you replicate that a thousand more times? Yeah. Where the wash line looks the same, it tastes the exact same. And I feel like it's, it's like chasing a moving target and I, I really strive for that. So I have to obviously create cocktails that are um, not only, you know, not to get too down and dirty, but cost efficient for my program, but um, that are replicable, man. You yeah, know, 100%. They're replicable and it's yeah. like, it's, it's, I, I love it. It's a game to me and I'm always getting better. And I, I look back, even some of these menu cocktails on this current menu that I have, um, I feel like they're streamlined kind of well, but now that I look back on them, I'm like, oh, you know what? I could have done this a little bit better. I could have done that. So, I mean, even as far as techniques, I have a couple, uh, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking at a million miles an hour. I'm just excited to be here, man. No, you're <laughs> super, good. Super you're good, brother. I, I, I want to ask about. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you. But 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me re-evaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor 
no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, A-G-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code thebestseats 15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Brother, I'd, I, I want to ask about, so again, we kind of talk about everything is streamlined, everything is set up for consistency. When you are in that Friday service, um, I want to get back to the restaurant in a yes. second, but let's talk about Oceanside more of as a whole, because yeah. obviously the last time I was in Oceanside was the last year, um, sitting down at Dijamara, which obviously people should go support as well. It's a fantastic restaurant. At it awesome is. They should. That was a great, great episode. Um, shout out to them for taking the time to do that, but I've been unable to get back to or Oceanside since. Yeah. And it's just a matter of just people's schedules and the holidays and obviously, you know, COVID still being a thing, unfortunately, it's just kind of get a bit of tough reality. But even since Dijamara, more restaurants have opened. There's been announcements of people that are going to open restaurants. There's people that are coming down from Orange County. They're going to open restaurants. Oceanside is continuing to blow up and continuing to make a name for itself, as I've been kind of saying for a while, one of the most underrated places in San Diego County. Oceanside is obviously separated by Pendleton from Orange County, but I look at it no different than people from Orange County look at Long Beach. I mean, what have the past, you know, kind of six years been like, or not six years, sorry, six months, because um, that was about the time since I sat down with the team from Deja. Sure. What was it kind of the last part of it like to kind of really see like how it's kind of really bouncing back? I mean, things were still kind of questionable when I sat down with their team as far as like what was allowed, what wasn't. I mean, now it's kind of like the gloves are off and, you know, even though the mask might be on we're kind of still back full service. I mean, for people that haven't been here, this is a big restaurant. You're sitting about 220, give or take. I mean, you got a lot of square footage here to play with. Mm-hmm. Are your Friday nights just bumping? It depends. Um, I feel like, I mean, it is I mean, I'm asking that in the early January, so obviously the question is not like it might have been. Yeah, but... It's a mixture, I feel like, right now because, I mean, you, you touched on a really important topic that I think a lot of us, um, you know, servers and bartenders and managers are starting to realize is that, yes, like January specifically are slow months, but I think there it's about half the people specifically in Oceanside who are, you know, in their own right, um, maybe not comfortable coming out to eat. And then there's some people who are, and I think that mixed with the slowness of January in general is just little bit questionable because i mean i would imagine orange county was under the same guidelines but last year at this time we were still technically closed we were on that second lockdown or was it the yeah third lockdown um, or was it? 
shit i don't know yeah we were somebody can closed. go to the besties.com forward slash you're wrong and, and tell me how many <laughs> lockdowns there have been you'll Jesus, get a nice contact yeah. email flyer send it we'll just say f- four lockdowns whatever yeah Who we so we were closed exactly around this time last year so it's kind of we were talking about that this uh this past weekend during service like it's kind of hard to gauge because it's like is it a mixture of being slow at times or is it just covid but i mean we do we do bump you know what i mean like we there are times where we we, we kick off and i mean going back to to you know my cocktail program I, it, it makes me proud man like it makes me like you know just really have a kind of had a full circle moment of I'm, I'm doing what I've w- always wanted to do, you know, and everything that I'm doing now, I once had written on paper, you know, maybe three or four years ago. And, um, yes, I obviously, you know, get crazy during service sometimes. Uh, I don't, not that I get crazy service can get crazy and you know, you're flying with tickets, but honestly, man, like there's no better feeling than like being so busy and you seeing that ticket machine, you know, run over with tickets. And it's like, you look at the tickets and like, man, these are all my cocktails. Like this is such a humbling, like feeling like it's just like, it's a moment of like, I get, it's just so hard to be mad. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this is great. Like people are enjoying the cocktails and their, their servers are just ringing them in so fast. You know what I mean? You I mean, know? obviously plenty of people live here, but Oceanside is not a Long Beach. It's not no. as big as some of these other spots. It's not as big as some of the other spots in San Diego. Yep. Do new people coming in and new people opening restaurants, does it help? I mean, I like to think that a high tide raises all ships, but you're also spreading potential clientele thin. Um. So yes, I agree with you. I think that it helps um, in this exact situation, like basically within like two miles of us, I feel like everyone just kind of supports everybody. But as much as I have always like to think that I agree with that statement, you know, that a high, t- a high tide raises all ships, I feel like that doesn't really work more south. But it, it works here in Oceanside. So I'm, gr- I'm grateful for that, you know, not to branch off, you know, because you were asking me, does it work here? And I'm like, so yes, it, I think it works yeah. here. But I don't know if that is like a universal thing. And maybe some people might get mad that I said that like, you know, it's supposed no, to. I, but I, I think it's an honest statement, and I think I mean you can't you can't have a ton of businesses. There's only so many customers to go around. Yeah. It's just that's just a fact of business. And Orange County was experiencing this before the pandemic. I was telling people left, right, and center that too many restaurants were opening, and it was getting too thin, and that reared its teeth during COVID. Um, I'm a big advocate. I mean, obviously, this is as I say every single introduction. Um, you know, this is an Orange County focus a podcast focus on kind of. OC, but the rest of Southern California and beyond. We might as well be Orange County because we're so fucking far north. I mean, people are going <laughs> to hate me for saying that. I know Oceanside is very, very proud, but there is, it, it is kind of on an island a little bit. I mean, what is it like to draw up people? You know, there's such great cocktails and such great hospitality all the way through San Diego County. I mean, from, you know, Carlsbad, obviously pretty much anything down yeah. in San Diego, Little Italy, et cetera. There's great, great places. How is it to work to draw people up? Because San Diego is obviously much longer. Yeah. Los Angeles is kind of wide and fat, but it's all kind of together. San Diego is long. It's a long, coastal, big, big, big expanse of an area. Yeah. How do you draw people from those other places when they're already competing with so much? Well, I think naturally Oceanside has elevated so much over the years in general, like the food and beverage scene. I mean, I feel like, so originally, like I said, I'm, I'm, I grew up in Poway. I'm, I'm Poway uh, raised. I wasn't born there, but... To, that's a total different environment, you know, inland San Diego. Yeah, um, inland is an understatement for anybody that's ever had to drive to Poway. <laughs> I love Poway. It's beautiful, but you basically take a left and then keep going and then you keep fucking going. Yeah, it's, an, it's another fucking world out there. I don't know if I say that in a good way or not. Um, but there's no hatred toward Poway. Poway's yeah, great. We're no, just saying it takes a long ways to get there. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Very, very true. Um, I think Oceanside, though, man, just like with food and beverage, I mean, even five, six years ago, it's like, ah, uh, there's nothing really in Oceanside. You had like maybe a couple spots. I mean, Mission's been doing its thing for a while. You know, you have yeah, Shout out to Willie Ike for that one. Mm -hmm. because I know that he was up there and just recently opened Matsu. So hopefully he'll be on the show soon. Willie, if you're listening, 
DM me because I want to get you on. Yeah, man, I've heard great things about Matsu. Uh, I've had a lot of friends that have gone there recently. They're just amazed by the the hospitality and the dining experience they've had. So yeah, I want to go check it out at one point too. But um, I think Oceanside in general has just man, it's come such a long way to the point now that I mean, like me personally, I'm a little bit biased, but like even North County, I feel like five years ago, it's like Campfire. I'm or not just shout out to Campfire, but like uh, Carlsbad in general was you know kind of the hotspot for cocktails. And in Campfire, uh, maybe some people. Will, disagree with me maybe they'll agree with me but they did a cool thing by really kind of setting the tone for what the potential of north county and i feel like we have all these other spots because they're they were a good example like the pioneer pioneers of north county for the cocktail scene um but now i mean oceanside has become such a great food and beverage destination that like personally like i all of my favorite drinking spots are now in oceanside like i don't ever really go to um i don't feel like as much as i love going to little italy and downtown and stuff like that like five six years ago you had to go down there to like get a good cocktail like we have everything here now like and, and honestly like i'm a little biased but like i think we actually have in oceanside alone some of the best cocktail programs in, in san diego i mean someone might be shaking yeah. their head at me saying that but you know that's just how i, I feel you look, know my, my my love for you know the polite provisions of the world sure. is well known yeah. what eric castro did down there and his teams and everybody who's worked on there is huge but there's there's an air there's a, a relaxation that comes with oceanside that only kind of these, everyone's tight everyone's really tight-knit here in a yeah. good way um i mean some people it's kind of a without exaggeration i actually um there's no pretense here yeah, basically like it, exactly. you can sit and you can have a drink you can have many drinks and it's very much kind of a judgment-free relaxed zone that's really really inviting oceanside kind of really like i said so oceanside touches carlsbad and it touches vista but it's like those even those those two cities that are right next to Oceanside, they're two completely different worlds. And I actually um, used to live in Vista, which is literally only about 10 minutes away. But the reason I bring this up is that it, to me, I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a quick 10 minute drive to work. Some people who live in Oceanside are so about Oceanside, and I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but like they're so involved in their city, which is a good thing, um, and so like tight knit here that, I mean, dude, you tell them you live in Vista, and they're like, whoa, that is far, man. Like they don't go, well, they don't, it, they don't it, go past the five, point. you know what I mean? It, it's a very good point. Oceanside is a deeply proud yes. place. Everyone do, stays here. Do people yeah. from Oceanside even want outsiders coming in? No. No, they don't. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I, again, I'm not from Oceanside. Like I, I work, I work here. I'm just telling you from what I've seen. I, I love what's going on here, but I'm a little bit um, more neutral about the situation. Uh, I've noticed a lot of people who are from here don't really like it too what you just said too much and again i don't want to get i'm not really knowledgeable on this so maybe someone else could say it better than me but um and again i don't want to get like political but i think a lot of it too is because even though the food and beverage scene has been gotten great and we have all these new spots now and it's definitely become more of a more of a tourist town over the years and it's nicer now you know it's a lot nicer than it used to be um you know rents raised and stuff like that and and um sometimes drive the people out who have been here for a long time and again i know nothing about that firsthand it's just more of things that i've kind of heard and just kind of witnessed a little bit but i'm a little bit more neutral about the situation but i, I kind of see both sides i see yeah. you know we had a bunch of new hotels that opened up here with um pretty good beverage programs from what i've heard and attract a lot of people i mean a lot almost half the people i feel that sit at my bar are actually from out of, they're not even they're from out of town like and people just come to oceanside to come to oceanside now you know what i mean and five six years ago i feel like oh well, I'm, I'm passing through oceanside because i'm i'm driving down to encinitas or i'm i'm going to the airport or something like that you know what i mean so like oceanside has really become its own thing now you know i actually just had some friends um that came to visit me here uh over the weekend 
I haven't seen them in a while. And uh, I was asking what they were doing here. I was like, did you come all the way to Oceanside to see me? <laughs> and I, I thought I was kind of flattered, but they were like, no, actually, we, we just, we even wanted to come to Oceanside for a long time. And you I was like, like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. No, me, it was cool. Shout out to them. I mean, it, it was so nice to see them, but I was like, yeah, like it, it goes to show you like, yeah, there's so many things to do. Like people from, and, and they're from, you know, San Bernardino Riverside area. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, people here about Oceanside. There's a lot to do. I mean, not just with food and beverage, but you know, beaches are great. Obviously we have a, um, just a really cool vibe in Oceanside. It's kind of a vibe like no other, you know what I mean? And I can't, would you, is there a city you'd compare it to in Orange County? Cause you're a little bit more Orange County heavy than I am. You know? No. Um, and that's kind of one of my favorite things about it. it. It is its own animal. And when I tell people, you know, living in California, it's such a big state that we have the advantage yeah. to basically go on a staycation wherever you want. If you live in Mission Viejo, you can go to Newport Beach and get a staycation. I know people that will literally rent their Airbnb a house just on the beach. They live awesome. eight miles away, but that's a vacation for them. Yeah. Palm Springs is right in the backyard. Big Bear, Lake Tahoe, you know, eight hours if you want to drive it. San Francisco. I mean, you can get out and do anything you basically want. I would consider Oceanside, if you live in, if you live in Orange County, come down here. It's a 30-minute drive with no traffic as yep. long as you can cut through San Clemente. Pendleton is fine. It's really cool. I still get like a little kid. I was driving down here today and a bunch of attack helicopters are running routes and I'm it's like an eight-year-old sick. boy. I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's freaking cool. <laughs> but it is. It's beautiful down here and you've got big-ass restaurants like this. You've got little bars. You've got everything that you could basically want if you care about food and drink at all. And you've got people who very clearly, as you've laid out so far in the show, give a damn, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. So I absolutely recommend it to anybody. But there is that kind of interesting air where there's almost there's almost a wall around it. And I, and I think I've, I, I'd have to go back and listen to the episode. I could be wrong. I think I talked about this with, uh, with Simran right. and the team over at Deja. But yeah. it's the same thing. It's, it's very proud. And it's very proud. And it's a very stoic, stoic place. And I'm a big, big fan of that obstinance. Yeah. Let's get back to the restaurant and talk about this. We kind of mentioned that you kind of get, you know, bumping on Fridays and things like that. What kind of crowd do you guys pull here and, and what's the energy level like? Yep. I mean, is this kind of like pre-drinks and then some dinner? Is this like casual lunch or is this like, you know, we'll tie a couple off and, and get a little rowdy? Yeah, I mean, not too much of the rowdy part, which, you know, actually in a way is, is nice for us. You know, we don't have That can to. actually be refreshing. Yeah, yeah, it is because I have people who, um, especially who sit at the bar, who, who come here have either heard about the cocktails or have had cocktails. And the nice thing about... I feel like it's not that we don't have competition. Of course, every establishment has competition. But what's nice about us is we're kind of our own unique little situation that like, you know, we're not the regular Mexican restaurant. Like I said that too. And again, no disrespect. I don't say this in a bad way. But yeah, like we don't do the traditional chips and salsa and just 10 other margaritas on the menu. It's like, again, and, I'm, and I don't want to go too down the rabbit hole, but I'm very passionate about basically showing people who don't understand that Mexico is not just all about tequila. We have great tequilas here. Um, I pick pretty much almost every single bottle that's on our back bar. Um, but more importantly, just different spirits from Mexico. Again, like people trip out about the Mexican whiskey and I, it, it's so refreshing to me to have people come back and be like, Hey, can I try that Mexican whiskey cocktail you had last time? Like you don't have that everywhere. And it's not to say that other people don't carry Mexican whiskey, but it's like, I get to, we have a theme and I just, I chose to embrace it and, and fucking capitalize on it, man. And it, it also just happens to be part of my culture. And like I, without exaggeration, without hyperbole, you know, I would literally die for what I do. I just, I, I put so much energy to it and actually not to get. I feel like I'm, I'm just excited being on this podcast. I'm like a little kid, so forgive me. But <laughs> I was actually in um, the service well last week. And, you know, just like any other bartender or bar manager, you kind of have your days, you come in, and you know, I, I had some personal stuff kind of going on in the background that wasn't work-related. And I was in the service well, man. And what I love about what I do, and maybe there's other bartenders and bar managers who can be like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I get that. Something about the job is because we're not sitting. We're being very physical. You're, you're moving your body. And I'm a big believer that your physiology fucking everything you know and i'm in the service well last week and i kind of wasn't feeling too good i wasn't feeling too hot tickets started to roll in you know i had to pick up people compliment the drinks at the bar 
I started to get into flow state a little bit, started moving a little bit more. Before you know it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 tickets in, but it's like I'm, I'm in complete flow state. All wash lines are fucking consistent. All the drinks are on point. You know, building rounds the, the proper way. I mean, I always try to build rounds the proper way, but like I just, essentially what I'm trying to say is it's like we're, we're bumping, we're moving, and there's nothing else on this wor- in this world that puts me in flow state, like making drinks. And I had this moment, you know, not to sound kind of exaggerative or crazy. And maybe there's someone out there who doesn't understand. Maybe there's people who do, but I love what I do so much that I, in that moment that I was like, you know what? I told myself, I'm going to make these 10 drinks because these people are here to enjoy themselves. And regardless of whether I'm feeling good or not, I, I thrive on seeing people have such a good time, especially through my cocktails. And it's like my cocktails are a, a piece of me. Even I'll get into it in a little bit, but even the names I pick are very, very important. I have some kind of unique names for my cocktails and they're all related to something, you know. Um, well, I actually, but I wanted to ask you about that. So I'm actually glad you mentioned it because I do want to jump in that. I, I have an Evernote fight. Now, again, I'm not a bartender. I'm a enthusiastic advocate. I write down cocktail names all the time just for funsy shit yeah. that I think is fun. But there is a lot, you know, some people just name them. Some people name them easy. Some, you know, some get topical. Some are inspired by something. Yeah. Cocktail names can help instantly sell a drink. There's been times I look at a name and I'm like that one. And I, I won't even know what's in it. Now, A, that's because I also trust the person making it. So I know it's not going to suck. But B, there is a lot that goes into a name in some cases. What, what is your kind of process for it? And how do you deliver on that? So I, w- I will touch on that. I, d- I do want to go back to... Um because it will tie into this, but when I was building kind of those rounds, you know, I was thinking like, you know what, as, as cliche, cliche and cheesy as it sounds to some listeners out there, like I told myself in that moment when I'm building all these rounds and people are enjoying these, these cocktails that I put my heart and soul into, like if I were to literally, I want you, I told myself, I want you to make these rounds like you're going to die in 10 minutes. And this is the last thing that you're going to do. And like, you better go out on your fucking sword. Like, I know that sounds kind of extreme, but that's, that's how I feel. Like it just, it just sparks so much emotion in me, you know? And, um, that's kind of how, you know, I, um, I don't even want to say get myself through what I do. Cause I fucking love what I do. I really do. Um, and I hope that it shows, but I'm just more as cheesy as it sounds, just trying to, you know, I don't really feel like I have any competition. Like I'm not actually really worried about what anyone else is doing. I'm, I'm worried about, you know, um, how can I be better than I was yesterday? And I know a lot of fucking people say that, but it's true. I mean, it's something that I try to live by spe- specifically in my, in my career and my, um, in being a bar manager and, and bartender. So, um, as far as the cocktail names, um, I mean, I'm looking at the menu here that I have. A lot of these cocktails, I don't want to, we, we'll be here forever if I tell you this exact name of every single cocktail and why, <laughs> na- and why I named it that. Well, pick you some, know? grab, and, and I should mention, we're recording this uh, towards the tail end of January. So yeah. depending on when you listen to this episode, if you stop in, the menu may have rotated. But mm-hmm. obviously, if you see something on there that's fascinating, take the time and ask about not just the drink, but the name itself. But obviously, if you're listening to this later, these names will have probably rotated off with seasonality and things like that. Uh, grab one off there that meant something to you. So I mean, I'm assuming they all, in some yeah. way or another, mean something. So what's something on there that's important to you right now? So I have a, a cocktail in here um, called Spirit of Santiago Peak. It's what, one of our most... What, what's the drink that's in it? Like, what's it actually made out of? So in, in the Spirit of Santiago Peak, uh, it's Abre Ojos Blanco Tequila. Shout out Abre Ojos. Green Chartreuse. Lavender. Touch of Honey. Fresh Lemon. Uh, super, really simple drink. Yeah, it sounds uh, delicious. Uh, it's really herbaceous, really herbal, a healthy amount of citrus. You know, we were kind of talking about this at the beginning of the podcast, but I make all of my refreshing cocktails, cocktails intentionally more citrus forward because I feel like if something comes out a little bit too tart or citrusy for someone, it's an easier fix than if it comes out too sweet. I feel like if something comes out too sweet, you start fucking with dilution a little bit and it's someone could, you know, argue with me and say, oh, well, if it's too sweet, just add more fucking citrus. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't really think it's that simple now. You're just you know what I mean? So uh, I try to make all my cocktail citrus forward, but specifically with that spirit of Santiago Peak, really refreshing, uh, really good 
um, Blanco tequila cocktail with well-made Blanco tequila. I won't go down to the whole celebrity tequila bullshit, but a tequila that I believe in. Um, so I had called it a spirit of Santiago Peak. A lot of people, I don't get too many people that ask me about the names, which is kind of a bummer because I'm a big believer not to go down the rabbit hole too much, but like for me, when I go to cocktail bars, like I want something that with a name that's provoking. Like to me, when I create cocktails, like it should kind of evoke some emotion or it should remind, it almost make you feel nostalgic about something or like give you a, f a feeling of a, of a memory or like if you taste something like in a cocktail, it's like that reminds me of something from 15 years ago. That's, you weren't in a restaurant necessarily, but like the taste in the air or so something like that. You know what I mean? So without going too crazy about it, I had named it the Spirit of Santiago Peak. Santiago Peak... <coughs> is the tallest mountain in Orange County. And you can kind of see it from all over. You can actually see it from parts of San Diego. I don't know if you know where it's at, but you've probably seen it if you were to look at it. It's, you're like driving on the five and then you just look east. There's a big mountain and there's some antennas yeah, on top of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely seen that one. It's kind of like, it, like the Tribugo Canyons yep. underneath it. Yep. So I had named it that and someone's probably thinking, well, why are you naming a mountain in Orange County? You're, you live in San Diego. Well, check this out. Um, I grew up, I won't, I won't say the name of the school I went to, but I was a, um, I wrestled for a long time, you know, in middle school and high school. And, uh, I wrestled that, uh, although I was not, <laughs> but let's just put that out there. I was definitely far from the best on the team. I took so much out of, out of, um, being in that sport specifically. And we traveled throughout the, throughout the state all the time. And we, we, we end up in Orange County a lot for big tournaments, uh, during the off season. And, um, essentially I've always been very, um, good with, geography even as a little boy and i've always just noticed landmarks landmarks catch my eye such as mountains or i've always been able to have a kind of a good sense of direction of where i am i can be like oh well i know i'm here because i see this mountain or i see um i just i don't know i'm just even if you ask my grandpa like i was just good with even when i was three years old i could like tell him how to get home basically you know but landmarks are really special to me and um i don't want to get it's like weird to say, i feel like it's just a, more of an emotion that I feel than in, in a better way than I can actually explain it. But like that is the tallest mountain in Orange County. And if you're actually standing on top of it, if you look south, you can see um, almost all of North County, San Diego. You look west, you're looking down on all of Orange County. And if you look east, you're looking all down on, you know, the Inland Empire, Riverside, San Bernardino. And basically this mountain touches the, the wilderness itself, touches all three counties at one point. And um, without getting too into it, all three counties kind of... Um, shape shaped me really heavily at one point in my life whether I, I was in orange county for for wrestling like i said you know um which was a, a big experience for me uh or whether i was um you know in the inland empire for for family or something like that um it's just so important to me that uh, i've actually been up there before and i just kind of had this full circle moment standing up there like i'm looking at three counties from one angle or one location where I'm at and like they've all just had such an impact on me and it just kind of gives me chills in a way and maybe I'm saying in a way that someone's like that sounds weird dude like I don't fucking understand what you're saying but like well, it's, it's something that has a personal draw to you and the drink speaks to it and you want to be able to translate that experience to your guests through it exactly yeah. and um I had named it that specific the reason I had used Abre Ojos uh Blanco Tequila is a shout out Kirk from Abre Ojos uh he is the owner of that he uh, lives in Orange County. So I was like, you know, it's only right and it's a tequila that I believe in. But not to um, discredit other people or, or, or to say that my names are the way people should name drinks. But I name things, um, they're not traditional, you know, like, in, for example, like I feel like if someone has a cocktail with green chartreuse in it, they might try to, you know, call it, let's call it the green charm or like the green, it's like the verde something. And it's like, you know, that's cool. That's not really me. I'm a little bit and I don't have a problem saying it. You know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. You know, I take my emotions real seriously. And to me, cocktails should invoke some type of memory of something or remind you of, of people, you know, or places or things or just, it should just, it should be special, man. You know, and I put a lot of, um, 
put a lot of energy into naming my cocktails. And sometimes I get, I actually have a friend, he likes to bust my balls a lot about the cocktail names I pick, but you know, I stand by them, man. And they, they, they fucking mean something to me. And Good for uh, you, I'll never, I don't ever want to stop. I, I feel like the second I stop caring is like, it's just, I feel like I, I die inside and without going too into it, you know, I've actually worked at some bars that I really liked and maybe they went in a direction I didn't like. And it's not even about the money. It's like, I can't do something that doesn't align with my soul. You know, I, I can't, man, even, even when it comes down to cocktails, cause it's someone that could be like, they could argue and be like, Oh, well, it's a job dude. like just clock in do your best and go home like that's not about me like i i literally without exaggeration rather fucking die than do that well we're going to start to wind down a little bit but obviously we're going to be back for a patreon only bonus episode but before we kind of wind everything up i do want to ask you know sitting here january new year everything else um obviously we're recording this in january depending on when people listen to it what does the future look like i mean where where do things stand with you and and with the restaurant itself and and kind of with oceanside um well, me being here, um, I'm going to continue to, um, I'm actually going to be doing a new menu here in the next, um, probably month or month and a half. Nothing too crazy. You know, I'm going to keep the bangers on here, but, um, I'm going to, I would like to bring in some Bacanora, which is another agave distillate out of Sonora. That's a DO, um, as well, denomination by origin. Um, I would like to um, do another Soto cocktail and I would just like to keep evolving, man. Um, I do think that everything kind of comes to an end though, in terms of, you know, I don't, I'm kind of a believer that I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I know for me personally, I don't ever want to do one singular thing forever. I think I'd always want to be involved, but I think the next thing for me, and there's no timeline is just to keep doing what I'm doing here and just keep being better every day. Um, but eventually I, I kind of do want to move, um, to the brand side of things. And I don't necessarily mean sales. Um, I want to, I want to, educate people on things that i'm passionate about and i want to keep learning and um again you know shout out caesar from abasolo but the reason i bring him up is i actually did a um as much as i love abasolo i can't explain it you know abasolo corn whiskey like how he can and uh i actually brought him out in october to do a staff training for you know my servers here and the rest of the bar and um because we have an Abbas i have an abasolo cocktail on the menu you know and i wanted people to understand it because even some of the servers at first were confused that I didn't know you can have whiskey out of Mexico. Like, is that kind of weird? What is it like? And I remember him coming out and he actually, we were actually in this exact area where we're sitting right now and he brought pamphlets and he just was so energetic and so passionate. And I remember just watching him work, man, and just watching him educate myself and the staff on the importance of maize, you know, corn from Mexico and how they distill with it and why it's important. And there's just so much passion in what he was doing. And I'm watching him. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to fucking do. That I, like, I always had an idea of that's kind of what I want to do, but like, I'm a big believer that like, if you want something, if you have a goal or if there's something specifically you want, you have to find someone who's already kind of doing it. And it's not necessarily that you copy them, but you kind of, you, they, they're, they're leaving a success leaves clues. I'm a big believer in that. You know what I mean? And you find your own way to kind of put your own spin on it. But essentially what I'm trying to say is I, I watched him come out here and just train the staff and he used to be a bar manager as well and create cocktails. And now he's on the brand side of things, but he's doing it in a way he's working for a brand that he believes in again, in no disrespect. I won't say any other brand names, but like, for example, like that's great that some people love vodka. That's awesome. But like, even if a vodka company wanted to offer me 200 K a year to sell vodka, that might be tempting. And someone might be like, Oh, that's bullshit. Like you wouldn't take the job. It's 200 K. It's like, <laughs> absolutely I can't, tempting. Gotta I be honest right now. Sitting here. I'm like, eh, I can't, tempting. <laughs> I can't, I feel like as, as cliche, like as, as exaggerative as it sounds like I would be really selfish to take a position like that because I'm not passionate about that and I don't really care about vodka. I mean, and I think that, not to say that because I don't care about it, other people shouldn't. What I'm saying is that 
I feel like a lot of people specifically in this industry take jobs and you can tell that they're not really passionate about it and it just shows and I feel like not only is it a disservice to yourself to do something like that it's a disservice to the people who do care about it so anyway kind of going back to him I feel like I, I see him working for a brand that like he's just so believes in and there's a lot of brands that I believe in and I think the next thing for me is just to um, without going too off the record is to keep doing what I'm doing and keep evolving man as, as a person as a man and as, as, a, as, a, as a bar manager and professional and to you know, if I want to go to the brand side, which I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do, I, I know I know I want to do, um, and just find people who are doing it, man, and just pick their brain, you know what I mean? And watching him come out here and, and training the staff on, on corn from Mexico and, and corn whiskey was just so inspiring. And I think the biggest gift you can ever give anybody is to, um, or you can, is to inspire people or to the biggest gift you can ever receive is to be inspired and I, I truly believe that as cliche as it sounds and I, I was inspired that day and, and from that moment on in October I knew like nope that's what I want to do and I'm so fortunate here that we're in a theme of of kind of these Mexican spirits and I really get to play on that you know and I'm just I think the everything happens for a reason and you know I've, I've been so blessed man and I just not that I don't want to progress anymore I do but like I just um, I'm very blessed you know I'm that's very awesome. blessed that's awesome I love that well um like I said, we're going to wrap up here. Obviously, there will be a quick little bonus episode for everybody who does subscri uh, subscribe over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats. But for those that do not and they want to reach out to you and learn more about the restaurant and kind of you and, and kind of your passions, social media, websites, uh, things like that, where can people do that at? Yeah, follow, I mean, follow Carte Blanche on Instagram at Eat Carte Blanche. Um, on Inst that's just the handle at Eat Carte Blanche. And then my uh, Instagram handle for anyone who wants to kind of see what I'm up to. Most of my Instagram is pretty much all <laughs> um, bar stuff. And if it's not bar stuff, it's my two little, my two little dogs. I'm a dog daddy. You know, uh, I, l I love my dogs, man. They're, they're like my children. I love my, my I have a little uh, rat terrier chihuahua and a papillon uh, chihuahua. She's a girl. The rat terrier chihuahua is a boy. I mean, they're my life. So pretty much my Instagram is all, is all spirits and cocktails and these two little, uh, oversized rats you know <laughs> what was the what was the name of the instagram oh, my sorry i didn't even plug that my, my instagram handle is at tony j divinity t-o-n-y-j divinity d-i-v-i-n-i-t-y that's my instagram handle if you just kind of want to uh see see what i'm up to well brother like i said we'll be back for a real quick bonus episode uh for those that do subscribe but man i appreciate the time this is an awesome awesome spot your passion is awesome i love everything that you're kind of about and and kind of everything you're getting up to and yeah, man, the, the future is bright and I'm very excited and, and grateful for the time. Me too, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank I you, brother. It. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for the time. Thank you to all of you that are listening, whether you are listening early and ad free over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats or on free feeds, sharing it with friends, however you are doing it. Thank you so much for the support and listening. Um, once again, thank you for everybody that reached out in the past couple of weeks, kind of leading up to this show coming back and the shows in general coming back, um, you know, expressing their support for, for kind of a tough time. But I know that it will be hard, but it will get brighter. And there's a lot more great guests to come. We're going to be checking in with some old friends, checking in with some new folks. And do not forget, if you are listening to this on free feeds, there is even more content and even more interviews with Tony, as well as all the other guests upcoming for the Best Seats podcast moving forward only at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Thank you to the advertising partners for the show. Thank you to all of you again. Um, tough start to the year, but it is only going to get better and brighter. And I wish everybody a great time out there. Tip well, enjoy. God's sakes, don't drink and drive. You got too much of a great year ahead of you to do something dumb. So get yourself a lift, get after it, and I will see you out there soon. Take care.
The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Orito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Jay Baker, Tim Swine. Thank you for your support.